Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Your first sentence can make or break your story. If you have a dud first sentence, chances are readers won't give you a second chance. In today's episode of Writer Unleashed, we'll peek under the hood of some great first sentences in fiction and memoir and explore how they make us hungry to read more. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Okay, let's talk about your first sentence. Often this is referred to as your hook, and the best first sentences hook your reader immediately. Your first sentence can do a lot with a little, and its main purpose is to get your reader curious enough to keep reading. That first sentence contains the DNA of what's urging your character through the story, and this creates suspense for your reader. So before we look at some hook sentences and why they work, let's talk about what a great first sentence does so we can identify them. Number one, it plunges us into an already evolving situation where things are already off balance. Now, you've heard of this as in medias res. And what that means is that we meet characters where things are already unstable. We can think of this as the then moment where life as your characters know it is about to give way. Then as Clark Blaze says, the rest of the story will be an attempt to discover the true the devastating meaning of then. So there's this moment of then, and that's when we meet your characters. Number two, it raises expectations. We infer a lot through a little. And part of the thrill of reading is that we want to know if our expectations will play out or not. Number three, It provokes questions. It withholds. There's this implicit promise that if we keep reading, our questions will be answered in due time. Now, great writers know how to parse out answers to questions over time, and that's what we mean by suspense. 
Number four, it can situate us in place and or time. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to do this in the first sentence. For example, if you start with dialogue or a straight declarative sentence, like Elmer Getty was drunk. We won't necessarily know where we are in place and time right away, but your opening should situate your reader in time and place early on. It just doesn't have to be in your very first sentence. And number five, it sets the story in motion, in forward moving action. Now, the reader isn't consciously aware of all these inferences and questions that your first sentence elicits, but you, as the writer, need to be consciously orchestrating the reader's experience word by word. So you need to be very intentional about how you craft your first sentence. So now that we know what a great first sentence does, let's look at some great hook sentences and break them down. This is from Dennis Johnson's short story, Work. I'd been staying at the Holiday Inn with my girlfriend, honestly, the most beautiful woman I'd ever known for three days under a phony name, shooting heroin. Okay, so this is about 27 words, right? What do we know so far? Well, we know where we are. We're at the Holiday Inn. We know how long they've been at the Holiday Inn, three days, so we have a place and time. We know what they're doing. They're shooting heroin. But what expectations do we have so far? What can we infer? Well, we can infer that things from here on are probably not going to go well. In fact, they're going to go pretty badly because, well, they've been shooting heroin for three days. We also get a sense that this narrator is enamored by this woman because he calls her honestly the most beautiful woman he'd ever known. Um, It also invites questions. For me, the first thing I want to know is, why are they at the Holiday Inn for three days? I mean, you can shoot heroin in your bedroom, right? And why is this narrator using a phony name? What's up with that? So we're plunged into an already unstable situation. We have some expectations about what might happen as we keep reading. There's curiosity. We already have questions. And we know where we are. And the story is set in motion. And here's a first line from Hemingway's short story, The Short Happy Life of Francis McComer. It was now lunchtime, and they were all sitting under the double green fly of the dining tent, pretending that nothing had happened. Okay, so 23 23 words. Now, Hemingway is the master of saying a lot with a little. So, so far, we have a time and a place. It's lunchtime, and we know from the green fly of the dining tent that they're camping somewhere. We know something has just happened that makes the characters we're about to meet uncomfortable. So there's a, there's a discomfort and a tension built into the sentence. So things are already off balance when we encounter these characters. Now we expect it might be something humiliating, right? So those are some expectations we're already having. We don't know yet who they all are, but we can expect that it's more than two people, that it's probably a small group of people. 
But immediately the question that is tugging us forward, we want to know what just happened. And here's the first sentence of Annie Ernaux's memoir, Shame. My father tried to kill my mother one Sunday in June in the early afternoon. Okay, so she's starting probably at the end of the story, right? She's starting at the most dramatic point. Uh, And the question urging us on is, well, what led the father to try to kill her mother? What did her mother do? So she could have started at an earlier part of this story, but no, she goes right for the jugular. So what can we infer? Well, we can infer that this is going to be a story about a troubled, dysfunctional family. And we read to see how this narrator survives that. So there's a specific time. It's June. It's a Sunday in June, and it's in the early afternoon. But there's an interesting juxtaposition here, because we often think of Sunday as sort of this calm day of relaxation. You know, it's spring. It's um, early afternoon. I mean, we often think of Sunday, when we think of Sunday, we might think of church or, but we don't think of someone trying to kill someone in the early afternoon on a Sunday in June. So there's a a really interesting juxtaposition here. And again, we want to know what happened that led to such a violent response. But more than that, we want to know why this happened. Why did her father try to kill her mother? And how did he try to kill her? So it's a very provocative hook sentence and very effective. And here's the first sentence from Hemingway's The Snows of Kilimanjaro. The marvelous thing is that it's painless, he said. Okay, so he starts off with this line of dialogue, and it's a very interesting sentence because for me, what I when I read this, I don't really trust that it's painless. There's something wrong here. So again, we're we're already thrown off balance. What is it, first of all? Uh, the expectation I have is that there's an operation of some sort about to happen or someone's telling him that it's painless, but it's I don't believe that it is painless. So I want to read further because I have many, many questions already about what might happen. And here's another Hemingway hook. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. So that's from Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. So again, we're firmly in place and time. We know who the story's about. He's an old man in the middle of the Gulf Stream all alone. We already know what he wants. He wants a fish. And the question tugging us along is, will he get a fish or not? So we meet him in this period of failure. So he's setting the story in motion immediately, and we read to know, will he catch a fish or not? Now, a hook sentence can also be used for chapter openings. You want to think of each chapter as an event unto itself, a self-contained narrative unit. So it can still start in the middle of things. It can still provoke expectations and curiosity, and it can still withhold. It can still set the chapter in motion. So here's chapter two of Lucy Greeley's memoir, Autobiography of a Face. Now for context, 
In the first chapter, the narrator has a collision with another kid in the playground and subsequently gets a toothache that never goes away. And so she's brought to specialists in New York City and so forth, and then winds up in the hospital. And here's the first sentence of chapter two. At first, there was only the presence of the boy beneath the bed to horrify me. But before I knew it, His father was under there, and then, most shocking of all, even the doctor squatted down and tried his own ineffectual cajoling. So we can expect that this is going to be a bad diagnosis. It's not a conscious knowing that we have, but we intuit it, and the author does something very clever here. She shifts the focus to the terror of another child patient to get at what the narrator is or is about to feel. So we can expect already that things are going to about to get worse for this little girl, and we want to know what will happen next. And here's chapter four from Margaret Atwood's novel, Cat's Eye. Until we moved to Toronto, I was happy. So here we have the moment of then where life as the main character knows it will never be the same. So we have a place and a time frame. And again, the question compelling us to keep reading is what happened to make her unhappy Why was she unhappy? What happened? And will she finally find some happiness? So let's recap. To craft a first sentence that hooks readers immediately, number one, start where things are already off balance. You want to unbalance the reader. You want to throw the reader off balance. And you want to start in medias res. So something has happened that upended life as your character knew it. Number two, raise expectations. So there's this gap between what the reader infers so far and what might actually play out. And the reader keeps reading to see if he or she is right. So you want to withhold. Number three, provoke questions. What happened? What will happen? Why did this happen? Number four, it can situate us in time and place. Not absolutely essential, but it does help. It depends on what kind of opening you craft for your story or chapter. And number five, it sets the story in forward motion. It contains the DNA of what's urging your character through your story. Now, don't feel as though you have to have your first sentence crafted first. As you move through revision, and even as you craft your ending, you can move back and forth and keep sculpting your hook sentence. Now, to help you put this all into action, I just put together a free PDF with nine story starters to help you practice crafting hook sentences. You can download yours at nancypinuccio.com slash start. That's nancypinuccio.com slash start. It's totally free. And as always, the conversation continues over on our private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. So come on and join us. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Till then, keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.